Sean is a fresh of breath there. He just loved chain restaurants. Matter of fact, he ate at Applebee's 12 times during the bye week. I love eating it. Most of you guys. That really is still swollen, isn't it? It, it, it kind of looks like a football, actually. It, thank you for that. The stitching, you that, got it. Thank you. Hey, D, I like donuts, baby. Let's go. Uh, stay focused. Um, work hard in school. You might not like school, but make sure you're working hard at school. It feels a bomb. It feels a bomb. It's your boy DM3, and you're listening to the Witty Not Funny Sports Podcast on the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network. Witty Nation, welcome everyone to episode 115 of the Witty Not Funny Sports Podcast, the self rated number one Buffalo sports podcast about the Bills, Sabres, entertainment, and everything in between. And as always, part of the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network. Go follow us on Twitter, Instagram at Woody Sports 716 and follow everything built in Buffalo is giving you every single day, the best bills content out there at built in Buffalo underscore Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, get built in Buffalo fall. Give us a follow. We are your hosts. I am Matt. He is Tony. Tony, how are you doing tonight? Who they say going to beat them Bengals. I say bills offense, new fangled. Now it's time for Buffalo. Salapi to end playing since Netty Bengals. It's fake. Matt, how you oh my doing? gosh, we had to do the VK song. I mean, that is just grinded into my head. There's so many Burger King commercials oh, be- during these football games. <laughs> I know and that jingle is just so darn catchy. They, it was. I have to say that this parody was inspired by Kyle. Kyle was a stranger who sat behind me at the last Bills game. Who would every I don't know every eight minutes just scream, sing of the BK have it your way jingle. Others would join in. I don't think anybody liked him except for me. But <laughs> Kyle, that was from you. You shout you out Kyle. In my head and now I associate with. Shout out Kyle. Syracuse's finest. <laughs> the man knows a good song. The man knows. We might not Kyle know knows. Kyle, but he knows a good song. Uh, I feel that yeah. way about like sometimes I just want to like start belting out Ellie Deli from Kroll Show, <laughs> hoping <laughs> yes, people will join me. That's a great. That's a great song to parody. I should. Keep that in mind to try and do it next week. That song has no right to be as good as it is. <laughs> yeah, I know. Really, <laughs> I guess whole... I'm saying this, and I parody it. I'm only parodying two words. I'm only parodying L.A. and Dele. Yeah, I just listened to that. And I'm like, this song is really good, and it's also hilarious. Yeah. R.I.P. Curl Show. We, mi- we miss you. R.I.P. Curl Show. I do miss, have a Curl Show, Curl show, Curl show reference uh, coming up later, so be on the lookout for that. Oh, preview teaser 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 pleaser uh tony we have a great show for the listeners later we welcome on josh miller from the back row cincinnati Bengals show to preview this big gigantic redo of the bills Bengals we 17 matchup in the divisional round here great talk with josh knows a ton about the Bengals. great podcaster great content so awesome guests to have on but uh we'll get into that a little later uh tony i thought to open the show this week, we needed to knock off a little steam. Steam that's stemming from the frustrations we had this past Sunday in the Bills Dolphins wildcard round. Uh, before we get into the game in any way, shape, or form, let's let off some steam by talking about things that are grinding our gears. You know what really grinds my gears? This Lindsay Lohan. Eh? 
Lindsay Lohan. What do, what, do you, what do you want? You know, are we gonna go out? Is that what you're trying to, why, why you? What do you want, Lindsay? Tell me what you want. Well, I'll tell you what you want. You want nothing. I feel like we need to get some angst out, get some stress relieved here. Let's give the listeners two things each about what in the sports world is bothering us, annoying us, that we're perturbed with, those things that are just grinding our gears. Tony, would you like to do the honors or would you like me to go first this week? I think I would like you to go first. Okay, I will go first. Uh, Tony, the first thing... I will thing... be the first to you. Oh, thank you. That's so kind of you, good sir. Um, Tony, the first thing that is grinding my gears, you might have saw it. You might have saw Stefan Diggs commentating on it, the power slap competition that has taken social media by storm. The power slap league, I guess, debuted on TBS this week. Good, good poll, TBS, known mm-hmm. for comedy. <laughs> and uh very Tony, funny i just have to say i just have to say yeah the the well, not so funny the power slap league but i just have to say the uh the dumbification of uh america continues with the power slap league did you see any clips of this i guess you didn't watch the, sh- the show it's kind of like a um drive to survive ufc uh ultimate fighter whatever it was called kind of show because it's backed by ufc head uh dana white which is is weird that he's airing a a power slap competition just weeks after he is on camera uh, slapping his wife the the tone deafness is not a good through the roof on (laughs) through the roof on this one i I don't get anything about the power slapping not only is it the stupidest thing i've ever seen but it's actually hard to watch like other extremely physical sports boxing ufc there's a sense of athleticism art to it with different types of grappling and holds and boxing jabs uppercut like there's some strategy involved there is nothing of that kind of caliber in terms of being an athlete having some intrinsic athletic value to watching that it is just the dumbest of dumb it's hard to watch these competitors look like first of all they have they probably have a lifetime of, of brain injuries just from a simple half an hour of getting slapped in the face repeatedly, but also physically their face looks like uh, if you remember Raiders of the Lost Ark, when they opened the Ark and they melted mm-hmm. <laughs> their face, their mm-hmm. face at after getting slapped, these competitors faces look like somewhere between before the Ark was open and after the Ark was open. And it's all for the grand lucrative prize pool of what? What would you think this this physical and mental uh, harm would 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 give a a, a champion or or a winner? I was gonna say fifteen dollar gift card to Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> that's that's what they probably deserve. The winner actually uh, gets a cool five Gs to make them feel better. Okay, they're physically okay. disfigured. They probably have CTE right away. All for five thousand dollars. Like it is the like I said, the worst of the worst. I don't find it funny. I don't find it even like shock value factor is just no. I watched one viral clip and I was already done with the power slap league. Tony, that's the first thing that's grinding my gears. Wow. Really deep dive on that. I didn't even know this thing existed, man. I have not like, I mean, as someone who has, you know, cut the cable for well over a decade, humble brag, I had never even heard of this show and, or this league, I should say, I'm, like don't don't bother don't really the ability to watch very much tbs but okay how does this get greenlit to be a show to be a competition of any 
sort over the return of slam ball. I am furious. I'm not furious about people getting physically disfigured or having mental trauma. I'm furious about the fact that this is a thing before the return of slam ball is a thing. Mm, or the return of a lot of things. Sure. Joe's yeah. versus pros. Come on. Oh, I was, that's a great they example. Do, that's another great example. They should yes. do a Joe's versus pros lap competition. Where really it's just the best world's best slappers. Or man versus animal. Regular people. Wasn't that a thing? Ooh. Yeah, now we're talking. Yeah. Remember that? Watch... It was like, who can eat more hot dogs, yeah, a bear or do. Kobayashi? <laughs> right. Now it's who we will didn't... take a slap. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Who will take a slap. Is it Tony? Go watch you go slap and see clip. what happens. Yes, yes, that's okay, a, I love it. Stop the we'll, show. We'll, um, a go watch a viral yes clip. And, you will be uh, immediately stupider. Well, that's generally how I feel about stuff, especially on TBS. Uh, <laughs> actually, I have no dig to do that. I haven't watched TBS in years. Oh, I, I don't even know what's going on with it. I know. T- well, TBS had uh, Conan uh, O'Brien uh, show. That's all I know. No, 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 no. Yes, that which also good. Yes, I'm Conan. What was that show? Uh, Nassim Pedrad made. Oh, where she was like the the high school boy. Yes, Chad. Chad. Chad was a fantastic show. Okay. The canceling of Chad was devastating. It was so good. Was it funny? It was incredibly good, and no one watched it. It was immensely funny. Okay. Check out Chad. Get down on it's Chad. Recommend. You know what grinds my gears? <laughs> Not enough people watched Chad because it was canceled. It, it was That's a your one A. Yeah, that's what's your one B? My one, my one, my one B is the only example I can think of is like I think it's Total Sports two four seven. It's like the ads on Twitter for like dumb clickbait sports lists, and I feel like there's like five or six of them. It's either it's either some like list of like most effective quarterbacks, or it's some dumb like. Oh yes, I know what this is. Tom Brady's most likely instagram golf dates or some shit you know yeah like that like get this garbage off my timeline twitter is free make it truly free this viral clickbait is not fooling me it's always dumb (laughs) it's never anything substantive i'm sick of it get it out of there musk get it out of there twitter is pissing me off but it's like these like weird ad thanks out of there (laughs) yeah 24 I don't even think they call it 24 seven. I think it's just two, four, seven, like some weirdos out there. Yeah. Um, and is it like a, but, there's like a Bally something like, is it Bally? Oh, Bally's a actual legit like a, thing. Like they have, well, television I know, rights I know that, but I think it's, but I think it's separate. <laughs> I think it's, I think this is separate from that. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I think this is like, um, I, like I compare it to, I call it like a Yahoo article for sports, like Yahoo articles. The headline mm-hmm. would be like, five ways to lose weight in 2023 and it'll be like one yeah. exercise two eat right, right. Like, no shit <laughs> <laughs> that's what i feel like 247 sports yeah. is like but good news the page has 97 ads going at the same time <laughs> right they got you you <laughs> <Exactly>. fucker oh <laughs> uh, good one my second grind gears tony thing that's grinding my gears is receiving super bowl tickets in like contests or maybe being oh, gifted yes. super bowl tickets yep yes yes uh good what if go what if your team is not going to the super bowl do you care like hey you did this great deed you sheltered people from the buffalo blizzard here's some super bowl tickets by the way the bills might not be going <laughs> right like why First, is think, the person I'm supposed to go to, to the super bowl 
I would be happier. So, like, let's say I'm this person that Deion Dawkins just gave tickets to. Like, there would be a weird pressure surrounding it if the Bills went and I was going and I'm in Deion Dawkins tickets. You can have a true vacation if you're just going to the Super Bowl, like, neutral. Then it's just a fun exploration of some weird, wild event in New City where you can gallivant around central Arizona for a little bit. See what the desert has to offer. Yeah, but can't now, you my anyway? problem with it, I can gallivant around the desert anytime I want to. <laughs> you gallivant away. And I will. I gallivanted in the desert twice in my life. The two times I've in my life I've been to Arizona. I feel like we need to use and the I word gallivant more in our vocabulary here. Well, that's what I did. I rode a horse, okay? It was, no, you gallivanted. Use shit, gallivant. It's a great I, word. I did. I did gallivant. I gallivanted on the horse. And I gallivanted on more. my feet. Have your students and in the car. use it. <laughs> we're gonna gallivant all over that town we're taking a field trip to central arizona just so we can gallivant there's no other way the uh those need to gallivant what bothers me about it is i think super bowl tickets is becoming too easy i think too many people are getting super bowl oh, tickets okay. in contests or not contests like but like super being bowl tickets is an opportunity i never would have thought to use again yeah being gifted yeah i never would have thought in the example of Deion dawkins giving that one blizzard um I don't know, Survivor, I guess would be the term. Dan Dawkins gave them Super Bowl tickets. Like, what? I never would have thought the appropriate gift for that is Super Bowl tickets. <laughs> and also, how easy is it? Can any player just be like, hook me up with Super Bowl tickets? There's like hundreds of players in the NFL. Do they just yeah. all get two pairs? All get Super Bowl tickets to do it as they please? Yeah. What is the deal with that? <laughs> that's Super that's Bowl a good tickets. question. I watch the Bills give away Super Bowl tickets as an organization constantly. It's like everybody's getting Super Bowl tickets now. <laughs> everybody, everybody has them. You just everybody's in Super Bowl tickets. So then, what's going to happen if the Bills do make it? Like then, the pressure is on Terry to do what a lot of owners do. To, you know, when they're not spoiled franchises, everyone in the organization is coming. Every, everyone right. in the organization gets to come. Well, that's a lot of people. And so, what what is the rules and rights on Super Bowl tickets? Just it's un, it's unlimited. All you want, all the time. You just always them out like hotcakes. If you're in the inner circle. That's what it seems like. I can partake in all the extracurricular, the Gronk party, the Shaq party, whatever. I feel like I can do all that. But when it comes to game time, I don't know. Have you have you ever been to a game that an uh, NFL game that isn't a Bills game? No, I don't reckon I have. No, I haven't either. I just, I don't know if I'd want to. Here's some tickets to the the Colts Jaguars game if you're visiting Indy for whatever reason. Like I'm just like, eh, it's kind of boring. <laughs> I'd rather watch the Bills right yeah. now. Yeah. I think if I got Super Bowl tickets, I wouldn't want them unless the Bills are going to be there. Well, what I'm really thinking about here is the, like, what's keeping me engaged and energized at a Bills game? It's because I'm accepting of the responsibility of being a Bills fan at the Bills game. And in so doing, you know, being loud for, to assist the defense, to drop those crowd assists. What do you think the crowd at the Super Bowl really is like? Everyone's neutral, probably in that crowd. I'm sure there's very few fans of, of, Either team that are truthfully so? in there accepting that responsibility. I kind of think it is. Yeah. Because I kind of think it's, you know, what the teams have given out to every Tom, Dick, and Harry on the street, and then also like celebrities and then league officials. I don't think there's that much room for the kind of fan that's going to shout crazily mm-hmm. um, for, a, de- for a defensive performance. Very interesting. I mean, it's obviously just like because I've never had this experience before, so I don't know. Yeah, interesting. Well, we if we ever get Super Bowl tickets, tickets. <laughs> I guess so. Uh, Tony, your final uh, thing that's grinding your gears. The final thing that's grinding my gears is the navigation of FanDuel Sportsbook. I rarely use me there. FanDuel. 
in my gambling, I tend to go towards DraftKings. Okay. I find DraftKings to be a little bit easier to use and to un, unpack, so to speak. But then I'm always seeing that FanDuel has interesting offers and interesting bets that I can make far more so than that I can find on DraftKings. Now, if I am misinformed here or poor at navigating this and DraftKings does offer these things, then the grind of my gears is really with DraftKings. Then. But I'm talking specifically about someone tweeted that there was good odds they thought on James Cook being the leader, being the rushing leader throughout the playoffs. And I'm like, I do like that idea of James Cook being the rushing leader throughout the playoffs. And it was like plus, you know, something a lot, like plus 3,800 or something like that. Matt, it took me so long to find this bet, to find how to make this bet. <laughs> it was like 95 clicks deep. And I'm like, why can I do this? I, you know, I couldn't find it at all on DraftKings. So I had to go break my allegiance and go to FanDuel to find it. And then I could barely find it. Can we not just have an NFL playoff category where all this is? So I guess that's really what I'm looking to here is what's grinding my gears is the lack of expanded categories in the sports betting apps. That's where I'm at. Fuck them. I'm, I'm right with you. I think a lot of stuff on these FanDuel DraftKings is extremely hard to find. I have big beef with the opt-ins promos just themselves. If you just opt into a promo, we're doing this big promo for Wild Card oh, Weekend. Tell me about okay, it. Okay, there's also, there's also like seven qualifying steps you need to reach that opt-in at least be a hundred dollars if bets like do one same game parlay like all these qualifications and i'm like this is so much just why can't it be simple just like we're doing a promotion you place a at least a hundred dollars we'll give you at least a hundred dollars or whatever we'll match your mm-hmm. bet and give you that back in free bets why do i have to jump through seven qualifying hoops to get my opt-in promo can i tell you what bothers me the most about opt-in promos I opt in, nothing happens. I should opt in and then it should take me to the page for me to do it. Yes, that's great. That is a great tip. DraftKings FanDuel, you're welcome. Yeah, it's insane that it doesn't happen. Like that seems like it could not be more obvious of like that's what's supposed to happen. Now I just hit the opt-in button and it like highlights green. Right. It doesn't go anywhere. I'm like, great. Now I have to remember what this is. Now I have to go in and find it and then just hope that your little computer system works. Get real. Just link me there, baby. <laughs> Take me there. <laughs> that is something that really grinds my gears, actually. Like, this is dumb. That is that is a good one. I, I am kind of fed up with the <laughs> DraftKings fan duel. I'm fed up with well. it. I'm fed up with um, gambling. Uh, that's I'm it. I'm done. Greed. I'm sick of wasting my money on gambling. So, Going right to little... Robin Hood. <laughs> yeah, I'm putting it all in crypto. Yeah, I'm putting it all. Yeah, whatever Robin Hood's trying to NFTs are NFTs are super hot right now. They are hot. That's that's another problem. We're making a comeback. It's like it's like Pokemon cards. (laughs) It's a roller coaster of value. Uh, Tony, you know what else is a roller coaster? The Buffalo Bills, as evident on Sunday in this wild card game. Are you ready to discuss the this super wild card weekend? I agree. Only if I get to hear this Kroll show related game summary and go. you will hear it and the listeners will hear it but first you know what, uh, we gotta send it. what tell me marv marv of course we want to hear marv where would you rather be than right here right now marv take it away we'll be back after the break go go bills fight bills go come on let's win for buffalo and we are back listeners 
to get into this Bills Dolphins wild card weekend matchup through all the stresses and the nerves. We have to start, of course, as we always start with our game review. The so bad it's good review. Tony, I know you're ready. Let's just get into it. Hit the music. Super wild card weekend, 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 weekend. The rival Dolphins and Mike McDaniel brought in both the noise and the funky smell of vape pens to the Ralph Sunday, looking to play spoiler against the division champ Buffalo Bills. But it was Josh Allen and the Bills offense that responded by saying, feel the Dawson, feel the Hines, get on up. It's playoff time as they started their cool championship runnings. Gabe Davis was singing, I can see clearly now the playoffs are here. I have no drop obstacles in my way as the receiver had a welcome return to form with over 100 yards. Jalen Wilson Phillips and the Dolphins D were making the Bills hold on for one more day as they looked to the Skyler for a miracle, but they found out they were just on mm. Marlowe time. Bills, show us your songs because crackers, they're going to London. But before that, the Bills are meeting the Bengals in the divisional round. Bills win 34, Dolphins 31. Tony, that's the game review. Marlowed to borrowed. Nice. Masterful. But I'm also <laughs> like, I, I don't know if I love it or hate it. I either want to vomit or I want to scream and shout with excitement. I don't know how I feel about Marlowe to Barlowed. But of course, I should have known that what the crucial reference you were speaking of was we're going to London. How did I not see that coming a mile away? Of course. Yeah, we're going to London. Show us your songs. We're and we're yeah, and we're going to Orchard Park. The London of your county, as they say. And Gene Creamers will be there. Gene yeah. I like to think that Brian LaCroix's character on Wheels High. Oh, Wheels Ontario? Yeah. I heard that now he's a season ticket holder, you know, Southern Ontario. 15% of Bill's season ticket holders are Canadian. So, including Brian LaCroix himself, I presume. Show us your songs, Bill's Mafia. Tony, let's get into the game. That might have been, A, the longest game I've ever watched in my life. I think it came in at just under six hours. Uh, At least it felt like that. Also, B, I think that was the most nervous, frustrating, stressful five plus hours of football I have ever watched. Tony, you were at the game again. Mm-hmm. Take us uh, as we usually do week after week. Take us to the vibes in the stadium because I was I was a nervous wreck. The the Bills were starting off so strong, going up seventeen nothing, shooting themselves in the foot consistently, as we predicted. I mean, this isn't new. This is isn't something that was a surprise to us. We've been saying for the longest time, the team that can beat the bills or is most likely to beat the bills are the bills themselves. And it proved true this past Sunday, but how were the fans in the stadium? Was it equally as nervous being there or was there a cloud of positivity? This will all work out for us in the end. Kind of a kind of feeling going on, Matt, I was straight up not having a good time. I said audibly many times during the game, this is the worst time I've ever had in this, in this building. And that says a lot because I got my seasons in 2014. The vibe that you're asking about, I don't even know if I can quantify it in anything categorical because the game was just so long and every at every twist and turn, Cool. Two minute, 30 second commercial break. Now that we're sitting in silence about, I don't think there was even the, like the feelings that you think we would have been feeling never had a chance to palpatize 
because everyone was just like so much of the thing was just like fuck this like it's just all so much of just everything like everything about it was just like not cool and so everything about it was just taking the wind out of your sails between the slow pace of the game the dumb outrageously dumb game management on both sides the mistakes made by the bills offense every time that that the Bengals converted a fourth down just all the time was just like just ugh just ugh with a side of ugh it was it was not a good time. But That's a good description. I will say, for me, I I always thought we were going to win. I yeah. was consciously reminding myself throughout the game, we could actually lose this. Like, the season could be over while I'm sitting here. And even... It would be ended by when, Skylar you know, Thompson. we were down. Yes, exactly. I'm like, I'm like, I better really understand this. We could lose this. <laughs> but I never really... I like very forcefully was reminding myself of that. I never really believed it. And I think the reason that I never really believed it is we've kind of had this pattern of at a certain point in the second half, there's a moment where we sort of ascend into a higher plane of existence and just like run away. And there was a point where when the Dolphins like scored their last touch, or I don't know if it was their last, but they scored like in the third quarter and I was like I can tell like that's this is it like these are the last points the Dolphins the fumble return and we're just I don't know that it was the fumble return I don't think it was because it was it seemed more mundane than that I'm like I can just tell this is it like the Dolphins are going to stop scoring and the Bills are going to keep scoring and and then we're going to take the lead not give it up and it's just I don't know there was something about the whole thing I'm like it just feels like we're getting to that point that the Bills seem to get to in every game in some way uh where they just like, you know, create a little bit of gap for themselves, create a, create a little space for themselves in the score uh, and keep it going. So I, I never really believed it, but there was, I don't know if negative is the right term for the vibe, but there was a vibe. There was a vibe that was, that was just plain. There was a purgatorical, I don't know if purgatorical is a word, but I really like it as a word. Yeah. I like it too. And I would love it. There was a a purgatorical, there was a purgatorical vibe in that stadium of we're just we're just existing. You, you're really <laughs> you're really bringing your A game with words today. Your vocab gallivanting, oh, purgatorical. Oh, yeah. purgatorical. I can't yeah. even say I it. That's such a I mean, I'm pre. I'm literally creating words over here. Yeah. Wow. Purgatorical. Oh yeah. Uh, well, oh, call you Merriam-Webster uh, over there. Purgatorial would I think be maybe yeah it'd be purgatorial, not purgatorical shit either way it's good either way it's good it's good purgatorial all right so Matt, i'm gonna say purgatorial in like three different ways so you can edit it in and overlap where i said purgatorical <laughs> perfect purgatorical Pur- damn it purgatorial <laughs> purgatorial 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 i feel like we're in the spelling bee the script spelling bee can you give me the, can you give me the, the origin I mean, I'm looking at the dictionary. So yeah, like, like I, I can give you the I'm like origin. That, I'm like that Guess dorky what? guy with the glasses that is like, you're American not saying English. that correctly. Say it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Say it again. Write it on the back of your number card. Purgatorial. There you go. There was a weird vibe in the stadium. I want to start with Josh Allen. Kind of a, kind of a weird game. You look at his stats, over 350 yards, three touchdowns, two interceptions, two pretty Bad interceptions, I'd say. 
one deep to John Brown, one in double, triple coverage to Cole Beasley. I don't want to talk about like in-game stuff. Let's just talk about big picture Josh Allen. Is this kind of status quo? Is this what we kind of should expect from Josh Allen? Ever since he came out of college, ever since we drafted him, we've heard of kind of the gunslinger mentality, how Josh is a gunslinger, how he his game kind of emulates Brett Favre. And that's probably a really accurate comparison when you think back at it, because for all the years Brett Favre played, for all the teams he played for, Packers, Jets, Vikings, whoever, Brett Favre never changed. That's why he is one of the all-time leaders in touchdowns, but he's also the all-time leader in interceptions. He just is who he he was and won him a Super Bowl. It also got a lot of fans mad at him for how he played, but he just is who was who he was. And that, of course, in the future turned out to be a very bad person off the field. But I'm talking about on the field, Brett Favre, of course. But for Josh Allen, J17, the chosen one, the franchise, is this what we should just expect? Is this what we should accept? I feel like I'm like comparing it to parenting a child. You're your firstborn. It's like there's a ton of stress. There's a ton of stress that goes into it day in and day out for many, many reasons. But through all the stress, through all the sleepless nights, through all the nerves, what I, like the the good of parenting a child vastly outweighs the bad or any stresses or any negative. I feel that's a kind of like the feeling I get, the mentality I have with Josh Allen. The bad is bad and it's stressful and it makes me nervous. But when the good happens, it's so good. And I kind of feel like I, I want to take just the so good with the bad, right? Is this what we're getting, Tony? Is this what we should just accept? Well, let me ask you this. Do you think that we're seeing the same Josh Allen that we saw last year at this time? Well, that's a good question. Because I don't remember a Josh Allen through a I, I year ago that the same was Josh Allen. doing I think these kinds of different offense. That's what I think, too. A lot of like. So so now what to what degree I'll, I'll say some I'm going to say three variables and you tell me how you feel these variables have impacted what you're talking about. So the first one is obvious. Uh, Dorsey's ascension into the offensive coordinator position. Right. And then the second one is Joe Brady joining us. And then the third one is his elbow. See, I, I just can't forgotten about. Like I, I forgot about it because I don't think it's a factor anymore. I mean, I, I just don't think. See, that's what I think. Talented, I think we don't as know talented that. as Josh is for as much of an arm cannon as he has. Like you watch, for example, that long pass to Diggs on Sunday and a long pass to Diggs in week 18 for the touchdown against the Patriots. Those are rocket across the field dropping him out of dime i just don't feel like a player with an injury however minor or major it happens to be can make that kind of throw for as talented as josh allen is even though he if he if he had an injury i don't think he would be making those throws i think the ken dorsey factor is is more prevalent i also think it's some guys on the offensive line not performing up to their standards roger saffold is constantly graded it's one of the worst offensive linemen in the league by PFF. His PFF grade was, is the season like 40 something, which is awful. Mm. I also equate it to kind of the disappointment of Spencer Brown's evolution this year. When we drafted Spencer Brown, we, we were getting a freak athlete, highest risk or ever, a guy who might be raw from a technique, from a football perspective, but 
His athleticism is through the roof. And that's why I'm concerned for that right tackle position. And I'm concerned for Spencer Brown because the problem is his athleticism kind of sucks this year. (laughs) The one thing he's supposed to be good at throw technique, throw whatever blocking schemes, understanding of the offense out the window. He's getting out athleticized out there. And we saw it Sunday when he had to match up against Jalen Phillips, who, you know, isn't, I wouldn't say the greatest defensive end in the league. He's a promising young player who is, if one thing he has, he is extremely athletic. Again, a guy who's RAS scores through the roof, just very athletic guy. And usually to combat athleticism, you don't combat that with technique mostly. You got to out-athletic the guy. And Spencer Brown was supposed to be that. Spencer Brown was supposed to be that uber-athletic tackle that could protect Josh and go against athletic edge opposition and go toe-to-toe with that from an athleticism standpoint. And that's where he's dropping the ball to me. I think that's the biggest factor. I think it's I think it's a combination of maybe a disappointing offensive line. And I don't even know like how to describe the helter skelterness of Ken Dorsey's offense. Because throughout that game mm-hmm. Sunday, and we've seen it throughout the season, but especially Sunday, it was just balls to the wall. And maybe that's Maybe that's the scheme. Maybe that's the mentality. It's just home run play every single time. And yes, the Dolphins were blitzing a lot. They were throwing a lot of cover zero at Josh, which usually you beat with over the top stuff. But I just rewind to week one against the Rams and fast forward to now wild card game against the Dolphins. That's two vastly opposite offenses. Rams, we saw. A lot of hot reads, quick outs, short, twitchy routes. And now all we're seeing is home run stuff. It is night and day how much this offense has changed to me. And maybe it's just more suited to fit Josh. And it it goes back to what I said. It's like, there's always going to be bad. But if the good outweighs the bad, if you have 10 plays, would you rather have 10 home run shots and maybe four hits? Or would you have 10 plays that are, 10 inside slant routes for 10 yards where maybe you get one touchdown out of out of that sequence like it's just such a it feels like such a catch-22 it doesn't feel like there's a good answer to this question yeah and I like I'm interested in the take that you said because I also was like oh yeah there is another factor a variable factor in here and it's Aaron Cromer so to what extent do you think is there a like a difference is there like a conflict between what Cromer wants to do or is trying to do and the offensive line players as have been built under other coaches or because of other coaches systems and ideals and goals. That's a good point. I didn't think of that because the only, the only real Cromer guy is Saffold, but he stinks. I know that's, I know that's what I'm saying. That's what surprises me the most about Saffold. I would have thought that he stepped up the most, but he's not. But I also think that there's, I think that the test you're referring to is, one of many fair assessment factors, including, you know, just like the eye test. But I would like to see, yeah, obviously like that, I would like to see more protection. I also wonder if there was what kind of emphasis there has been this year on the pressure to get the running game like in existence. And maybe that kind of influences what the offensive line is trying to do. They utilize the run game pretty well. I mean, James Cook busted out that touchdown. I mean, I'm talking about, I'm talking about in comparison to the last like 18 months. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a good point, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I just think the Your run game is problems. what it is. Every right? team has problems. Uh, <laughs> that's right. I get it. Yeah. 
every team has problems. I think the run game is what it is. I think that, I mean, I like, like what I see when I see it. Do I see it enough? That's for debate. Sure. Exactly. Exactly. But when they were called upon, they, they answered the call. James Cook, long touchdown run, 13, 14, 15-yard touchdown run, whatever it ended up mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. being. You know, Josh, when he had designed run plays for him, was pretty efficient in it, even though... Again, like that what the one that stands out is the uh the first down where uh Jalen Phillips barely missed him. If he reacts half a second sooner, uh Josh is getting stopped for negative two yards instead of whatever it happened to mm-hmm. be for a first down. And then Devin Singletary again, I thought was very efficient for almost five yards of carry and and closing the game out when uh when it needed to be closed out. They need one first down and and singletary delivered so i think the run game is what it is i I, i'm actually more surprised by last week we talked about the makeup and you made a good joke about how the wide receiver room is like two outside receivers and nine slot receivers Mm -hmm. which goes to my point of like when talking about the running backs it shocks me because i thought this is where they were going after the first patriots game when we saw a lot of james cook in the passing game when we started to see Mm -hmm. naeem hines be involved in the passing game. Their running back room, maybe not Singletary, but Cook and Hines definitely are set up to be <laughs> passing threats. There should be designed plays for them in the passing game, and they've just completely abandoned it. I thought that's where we were going after the first Patriots game because James Cook, I think, had like seven catches, and he would do that thing where he'd just like run five yards up the field and turn around and turn that into some good yak. But They've just gone away from it. I'm shocked almost. And I know this because I feel like every week on DraftKings, I take the James Cook over 11 yards receiving bet. Because <laughs> I'm like, oh, uh, they're going to utilize him in the passing game. They have to. That's why they got him. That's why they got Naheem Hines. Because these guys just get the ball in their hands in the passing game in space and let him cook. Let him go to work. But no, again, it's just, I, I know the old saying is chicks think the long ball, but man, Josh is trying to hit a home run every single time in this passing game. It, it's almost odd. I did notice how it hasn't that, evolved. Yeah, I did notice how last week in his press, you know, not last week, not this last game, game before last, when in his press conference he said, it's like, you know, maybe I've gotten away from that a little bit, maybe a little bit too much. And now this time it's just like, okay, I guess Dorsey agrees because he's dialing it up all the time yeah. to go for these home runs. But I think I don't mind it. I think there's a healthy enough balance between it, but... I mean, really, the first drive on Sunday, I was like, this offense looks perfect. Like, this is exactly what I want. All these, like, slant routes, we're going outside, we're getting picking up 14 yards of play, and right. Josh looks on, the receivers are on point. Like, this is exactly what I'm talking about. This feels and looks like last year. And then it completely fell apart. It was completely abandoned. And we still <laughs> didn't do either of the things that we do this year because I thought when we drafted Cook, I thought when we traded for Hines, yeah, we're going to be utilizing the running back uh, as a receiving, you know, tool, and then and then we don't. And yeah. so I I don't know I will I wonder if we will sort of next year as the new as the nuances get installed and things kind of change and new personnel comes in and we can be good at different things. So I've, I'm just kind of like not holding on to hope, but I'm wondering if hope should exist about well it'll it'll end up finding its place sooner or later. Yeah, that's a good point. It's like during the offseason, do they implement kind of or does the roster take shape to kind of utilize these players, mm-hmm. presumably what their skill sets are? Are you kind of like getting sick of Josh's like rhetoric of I got to be more careful with the ball? 
it's on me. I got to be smarter. And then the next week he just comes out and he's like from the window to the wall again. <laughs> like <laughs> Josh, every week you talk about, I got to be more protective. I got to make better decisions. And then you come out the next week and just do the same thing. That's what I'm saying. Like, maybe this is just Josh, who Josh is. And you guys got to take the good because the good vastly outweighs the bad. He hmm. talks a good game and then he comes out and he's just like, hey, it's me, Josh Allen again. See, that's what I wonder, like, I don't know who is the real Josh Allen. Is it the Josh Allen we saw last year or is it the Josh Allen we're seeing this year with a lot more interceptions and a lot more wild pitches, I guess you'd say. Even though I would really say the Cole Beasley thing was not really Josh's fault. I think that was all on Cole Beasley. And I think Cole kind of sucks now. And to, now? To, to match, well, you know what I mean. He sucks. <laughs> he's, he's not the athlete he once was. His athleticism is now starting to match the rest of his personality. In suckiness. I'm, I'm blaming Cole third on the list. I'm blaming Ken Dorsey first on that interception okay. specifically. I'm blaming Ken Dorsey because at no point during the game should Cole Beasley ever be running more than a 10-yard route. Yeah. It's absolutely ludicrous. He lives in the seven yards or less range. Don't make him go 10 yards now because it's disaster. Also, Josh throwing to the opposite, the far side of the field. It was disaster from the start. Uh, so Josh is my second one because... He's thrown on the far side of the field. It's a tough throw to begin with. Also, Cole, he's not open, right? Like, that's why I'm saying, like, he should be just a seven mm-hmm. yards or less route runner. That should be where he lives because he is not going to be the guy to run those intermediate 10 to 15 yard routes and win a contested catch. He's the mm-hmm. guy that beats his guy off the line and has space. He's a route runner. He's not a go up and get it contested catch, come back and meet the ball. Be aggressive. Like, it's just not his game. Don't put him in that position, Ken Dorsey. And Josh, if he's in that position, he should be your last read on that play. I don't know. I don't, I don't blame Cole for, for that. Yes, the ball. Well, I don't know. I mean, was there. Did he have the know. ability to catch? Get your hands on him yeah. and catch it. That's what John Madden Absolutely. taught me in Madden. That's a good mentality. So that's a good yeah. mentality. So, I mean, in that sense, I do that. And I, I think he's showing us that he's maybe getting more snaps than he should be in. So I don't know, in that sense, I look forward to kind of seeing how Crowder will integrate into this and how McKenzie will integrate into this. And I don't know, just kind of like where it all stands from there with our slew of slots, slot slew. Yeah. Speaking of slot slew, he wolf was unleashed almost more unleashed if he ended up catching that bomb from Josh Allen. Yeah. Um, But good, good. He wolf appearance. We talked about it last week, Tony, some of these rookies, surprisingly stepping up we mentioned Khalil Shakir James Cook and they both did this game rookies had an impact and not only on the offense side of the ball the defense side of the ball is Kyrie Elam had to come in for an injured Dane Jackson and made maybe the biggest play of the game on an interception as the Dolphins were driving so the Bills got a lot out of their rookie class I still don't see the need for Terrell Bernard for like anything but mm-hmm. uh the rookies that made an impact made an impact this game I, do you think Terrell Bernard is becoming kind of the scapegoat on we have Terrell Bernard on the team instead of blank, particularly that instead a, of JoJo when, when we look at jealousy? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that too. Yeah, he's a good one. Or or when we look at the accomplishments of Isaiah Hodgins and people are like, cool, good thing Terrell Bernard's on the team when we gave up oh, Isaiah yeah. Hodgins to Absolutely. Go be like a, a superstar. That is, that yeah, is my think... exact mentality. You are in my head right now. Yeah. Right. But I think Terrell Bernard is kind of becoming that player that we look to as the scapegoat of 
number 53 of 53 when we could have blank. We could have Isaiah which Hodgins, is crazy who because really good. Yeah, which is crazy because Balen Specter is also on the team and is also not He's also not a third round pick. <laughs> yes, exactly. But for that reason, I think Terrell Bernard someone. is. I know. Well, yeah, we could. Well, what I think of is we could have had so so many defensive backs that kind of fell. You know, like uh, Wooten. I think is who's on Seattle. Seattle. Yeah, yeah, and like he's super good. And yep, there's definitely a lot could of good events, but that's the nature. Of the, yep. That's the nature of the league. The nature yep. of the league. Another guy who's stepping up uh, along with the rookies. Playoff Gabe Davis is back, and he is the latest player to experience to have what I like to call the witty, not funny bump, if you will. Mm. Tony, I think you mentioned it last week or the previous week. Whenever we seem to drag players on this podcast or talk negatively about the players, they respond by making us look dumb. And that's perfectly fine. We want to look dumb. Prove us wrong, players on the Bills. Uh, Gabe Davis, who I thank for going to get his eye test for (laughs) proving... Uh, he can be a viable weapon in this offense. Had another great playoff game, over 100 yards. He was doing Gabe Davis stuff that we know and love Gabe Davis for of the past, like the toe-tapping touchdown catch. He just looked like a whole new player. It was really weird. And uh, I don't know if it was the extra stuff throughout the week, such as Von Miller bringing a replica Lombardi trophy into the Bills locker room and saying, what are you going to do to win this or whatever he said to the team, Gabe Davis reciprocating that. And uh, I, mm-hmm. I read story. Yeah. Putting in the work, right. Reading stories, how he was staying after practice on the jugs machine. I mean, you're welcome, Gabe. We could talk bad about you again this week to help you out, but he gets the winning not funny bump and it's good to see him back. Is all I have to say, Tony. I, I would say that too. It's good to see playoff Gabe Davis back. Everyone's using that terminology, but I got to say, I'm like, Gabe Davis is known to have a good game once every four or five games, right? and he was due. I'm like, is this is this really playoff Gabe Davis? That's something I'm looking forward to finding out on Sunday. Is this playoff Gabe, or is this just he had a nice game? Yeah, it'll be... I'm not sold yet. It's about consistency, right? Yeah. Right, yeah. Can't, it's like my golf game. Can I put together two good shots in a row? And the answer is usually no. Right. So hopefully Gabe Davis is not like my golf game and he can put it with two good games together in a row. And uh, why don't you make it four while you're at it, Gabe, and help us get to the Super Bowl and win the Super Bowl. That'd be great. But he was just doing things like he was running good routes and it didn't seem like he and maybe it was because Isaiah McKenzie wasn't out there because usually those two are the culprits of being in the same spot at the end of their route trees. Mm-hmm. It seems like he was utilizing the space given to him better. He was high pointing the ball. Like he was catching it with his hands, less body catching. Just seemed like the old Gabe Davis was back, which was really good to see. And definitely something the bills and heat moving forward, especially with a, a big matchup against the Cincinnati Bengals, where they're going to have to match their firepower on offense. So Gabe Davis is definitely going to be a huge factor in doing that. Tony, did you listen to the mic'd up Deion Dawkins from from the wildcard game? I did not. I did not tell me about it. It was interesting. I mean, those Dan Dawkins is a, a character in himself. Tremaine Edmonds. I was surprised at how vocal he was. Tremaine doesn't really come off as the vocal type of leader, more of the lead by example type of leader. But I, I was surprised how how vocal he was. He he was very cliche with it. He's talking about like 
brick by brick. You said brick by brick like 4 million times. One interesting thing I did want to get your thoughts about. It seems like we have an interesting nickname for Shaq Lawson that came about through this mic'd up session. They call okay. him Crane. Hmm. And I you, have okay, what do you think no idea that? where it could have came from. Mm. I don't know what Shaq or Lawson or Clemson or anything have to do with Crane, C-R-A-N-E, I'm assuming. But that seems to so be Shaq Lawson's nickname. So there's three Cranes that it could be derived Frazier, out of, right? Frazier Crane. Crane the, right, Maybe he's crane a big the fan bird, of Frazier. Crane the bird, Crane like origami cranes, and Frazier Crane. Or Niles okay. Crane. Or Niles <sighs> We'll never know. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe we'll he's a big fan of, of Frazier. We'll send out our correspondence. Would it shock a big you fan if of Shaq Lawson was a big Frazier guy? Yes, I would be shocked. That would be one of the most really, shocking. Really, I would not. I would not. No. He's well, kind okay, of, what kind doesn't of feels surprise off. you about that? Shaq know, Lawson just feels, feels like off. Yeah. <laughs> he's just, maybe mm-hmm. he's like a quirky guy. Quirky guy liking one of the most mainstream sitcoms in history. <laughs> well, when you look at this is like a judge a book by its cover kind of thing here. Yeah. But no, when you I look at it. Shaq Lawson. Do you think he looks like a Frasier watching kind of guy? I guess not. He does not. No. I mean, so I, don't, yeah, I guess I guess not. But but he's also yeah. I mean, he's also a character. We've seen we've seen his personality for years now with either his first or second stint with the mm-hmm. Bills. But he seems more of like a in a I'm going to prove the haters wrong kind of phase this season. Okay. Whether it's yeah. Yeah. Playing the Dolphins, playing the Jets. Maybe some people hated on him for watching Frazier back in the debate. Maybe back in his Clemson days, chilling in the dorm, watching Frazier. That's what the cool kids do. Now that he's is what the cool back. kids do. That's what people do. Now he's getting them back. I'm in, Call I'm me in a Reddit. I'm in a Reddit group called Frazier Sleepers, and it's a group of people who fall asleep to Frazier. Feels very easy to. And do. I don't usually fall asleep to Frazier, but I appreciate them enough that I joined. And for dinner, do you have tossed salad and scrambled eggs? No, I don't know what to do with those tough salad and scrambled eggs, but they're calling again. <laughs> they are calling again. Uh, interesting tidbit from the mic, though. The only other note I had, Tony, was moving forward in the playoffs here, and whether that's the next round we're out or any subsequent round after that, uh, or we win it all, what is the bigger worry going forward for you? Because the cliche when it comes to playoffs for a lot of the NFL is you got to win in the trenches. Like teams that win the Super mm-hmm. Bowl win in the trenches. And I see when it comes to the Bills trenches, the O-line has trouble protecting Josh and the D-line has trouble generating pressure. So going forward, either Sunday or beyond, what is the bigger concern for you? The O-line protecting Josh or the D-line generating pressure? Pressure. Pressure all day. Pressure all day and all night. We've seen has been disappointing. so many like, yeah. And, but I mean, What's widely considered is to be the second most important position. It's edge rusher. Yes, absolutely. We see it all the time. So we know the importance of pressure and of getting after the quarterback. We know that we spent a ton of money on Von Miller. We know that 20 years ago, we spent a ton of money on Mario Williams. Pressure is important. It's crazy important. I would say, I feel like anecdotally, most commonly, it's like, what's the Achilles heel of this Super Bowl team. They're like, well, the offensive line needs some work. You can win, you can win with the bad offensive line. But if you're not getting that pressure, yeah, it's a lot harder to win, I think. I think that's right. Especially with so I want to see some pressure in her. Especially the way NFL offenses are kind of tailor made here. It's like yeah, you know, scoring a lot of points, passing over running. Yeah. 
I mean, both concern me, but I think the defensive line concerns me the most because they've drafted high, put a lot of stock into some high picks, second, first round picks, and it's time these guys got to step up and perform. So, Tony, any other notes before uh, we stop talking about the past and move to the future when we preview our Bengals game here? Well, you know, I tweeted it, and this is a this is a cause for maybe solace or maybe just no something noteworthy. I tweeted it, but this worrisome performance that we had is squarely on Fred Jackson. As you know, Matt, at the beginning of the games, the legend of the game leads the, the crowd picture. and shout, yep. leads the crowd and shout, and then says, "Where else would you rather be?" And then the entire crowd says, "Then right here, right now, here, right now, we shout right here, we scream right here, right now." It's awesome. It's a super awesome addition to the game that I love that we do. And most people do love that we do it. Fred Jackson let us in shout and then said some crazy chaos inaudibly screaming something about squish the fish. We never did right here right now. <laughs> oh, the Bills no. came on and played like that. It's all Fred Jackson. Like the routine was broken in an important game. Yes. It's a miracle. We made it out of there alive and it's all Fred Jackson's fault. <laughs> That is a good way to end this segment. Fred Jackson. Let's just make it CJ's turn. Let's throw it back. Next week's CJ's turn. Fred, you're out. I'm kind of surprised they haven't announced who it's going to be that I'm aware of. Well, might be the guy we've been predicting that would be there. Maybe there's a little secret coming. Maybe. I think they announced Eric Moulds, actually. Oh, yeah. He's good. Yeah, he's good. Eight yards short of 10,000. As a kid. Oh, was he nice? Uh, I met him. It, like right after the summer after we drafted him, so he had like yet to play a snap. He came oh, for okay. an autograph signing at Thomas Turtle uh, on Broadway and Central in Lancaster. I need because I need glasses and to meet Eric Molds. Yeah, uh, it was cool. Combo. It was cool that I could just like walk there because that's yeah, the, that where is... I, the neighborhood I grew up in. Yeah, get some ice cream. Along I didn't know it was. Ha- yeah, I didn't know it was happening. My neighbor was just like, "You want to go meet a Bill?" I'm like, okay, sure. <laughs> Why not? It was very much like a you want to see a dead body kind of a question. Yes. <laughs> sure, let's go. Yeah. You want to go meet a uh, bill? Okay. The main thing is, Tony, the Bills move on. As Josh has been saying, it's not how you win, it's if you win. And the Bills yep. won in the end. So that's all survive and advance. That's all it's about. It's going to be a much tougher task this coming week when we have, I guess, the rematch with the Cincinnati Bengals who will be hot they'll be energetic because i feel like they feel like they got screwed which could be could be true um so with that we'll end our review of the dolphins and after the break we welcome josh miller from the back row cincinnati Bengals show to join us to preview some Bengals. uh listeners we'll be back after the break bro's never beaten the browns they're historically the worst franchise in nfl history I mean, my god dang hero can't beat the Browns, Mom! He's the running back. We got dang Joe Mixon. He's got a dang concussion. I don't know if he can even play on Sunday. And we are back, listeners, to help us preview this big divisional round matchup. We welcome the host of the back row Cincinnati Bengals show, Mr. Josh Miller. Josh, thanks so much for coming on the podcast tonight. Appreciate it, Matt and Tony. We're happy to be here. Happy to talk Bengals Bills, man. I, I mean, it just I feel like we were so robbed. of. I mean, obviously, there was a reason for not playing the game, but 
I got to tell you, I, I can't wait to watch this rematch, and I'm really excited to talk about it. So thanks for having me on. Yeah, there was a ton of hype going into that Week 17 <laughs> Monday night matchup. And uh, you're right. I've, it felt like we got robbed, obviously, due to extreme, uh, almost tragic circumstances. Sure. So, Josh, start us, start us right there. I mean, there was, again, so much energy from the Bengals crowd. And uh, I know us and Bill's Mafia were so hyped for that matchup. But three weeks later... Take us to where your head's at. Are, are you worried? Are you confident? How are you feeling about this matchup? How are you feeling about the Bengals uh, coming to Orchard Park on Sunday? So I think the Bengals and Bills fans really feel the same exact way about their teams. They feel like that their team is going to be able to make the run to the Super Bowl. And I, I think the feeling is mutual that there's this, this kind of love relationship between the Bengals and the Bills fans. And uh, just to go back to that night, that uh, that matchup, uh, we sat next to two Buffalo fans at the game, and uh, it was a fever pitch, and we just talking back and forth a little bit. And th the feeling was like, man, we're about to go watch a great game. And that's not usually the feeling when you have, you know, Cleveland or Pittsburgh in the stadium where you hate anybody else that's wearing <laughs> not, not orange and black. But uh, they, but they were all from Buffalo, and we were very, and we both just said, like, man, we are ready for a great game right here. I think that's going to be a lot of this feeling going into this divisional round. I want to say I'm feeling confident. Obviously, this is the NFL and this is the playoffs. And, you know, you see all over the landscape of the NFL, anything happens on any given Sunday. I think that's one of the great things about the NFL. That line between the number one team and the number 32nd team is really not that much. Anything can happen, especially when these two Titans, uh, these two elite squads both vying for they both had eyes on the Super Bowl from the start of the season. So, I mean, it's going to be a great game. The Bengals are going to have to do quite a bit to, you know, get the dub in Orchard Park. But I'm very excited. And I am feeling confident about this. Game. Yeah, as, I, as you, you should. I mean, I, I think Tony and I feel confident as well coming from our end. I mean, you're right. Two just mm. top-tier teams here. <laughs> uh, Tony, Tony might be less confident. Mm, less uh, confident than but, you are, man. Not feeling okay. it, Tony. <laughs> I think, you know, we'll get into it, but I think there's a lot of reasons to not feel confident. I think there's a lot sure. of, but I, at the same time, I think there's reasons, you know, that you could counter that you could say, well, there's definitely a reason the Bengals could choose to not feel confident sure. as well. I mean, right. it's, it truly isn't any given Sunday scenario, but I have some cautiousness to my psyche about it. Yeah. Yeah, so well, we're Bills uh, fans. I mean, we absolutely have cautious. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's again, it's the same thing between Bengals fans and Bills fans. There's always this cautious, like it's something's gonna go wrong at any given moment. It, it really can happen. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Especially after last time when we saw like the wrongest of wrong happen. Oh, yeah, right. It's just just a there, curse game. There's gonna be some weird feelings, yeah. right? Isn't there, Josh? Like yeah, going to that game? I, I, I think that that's going to be the national narrative, but I, I feel like at the end of the day, we just got to kind of have to go out there and go play football. The, you know, we got to get back to the game. And, and DeMar Hamlin has made a, quite a great recovery. And I, I mean, the people at UC Health did an absolute incredible job. And, you know, as a proud UC alumni, just throwing it there, go Bearcats. <laughs> but to, to go back to, you know, all right, so now that situation has been taken care of. DeMar's okay. Um, you know, he's in back in Buffalo. We can get back to playing football again. And, and let's be honest, I fully expect Demar Hamlin to walk out of that tunnel with his jersey on, probably not his uniform and his pads and such to play, but he'll definitely be walking out there. And that'll be a huge pop uh, when he walks out in, in Buffalo. But, you know, that bad feeling, Tony, that you're feeling, I'll, I'll give you some uh, confidence, at least for on the Bills side. 
you know, the Bengals are starting with a, a, a very young secondary. They have Cam Taylor Britt, who is a very promising rookie, but a rookie at itself. Dax Hill, another rookie, a first-round pick, uh, he's playing significant minutes at the safe. Then on the offensive side of the ball, the Bengals are missing starters on the offense. And that's going to be a huge you know, part of this game is can the Bengals protect Joe Burrow? And if they do the same thing they did against the Titans last year, which let up nine sacks, then I think Buffalo is going to be just fine. So I, I do think that there is confidence and cautiousness on both sides of the For sure, for sure. I mean, I think we both have, you know, that, that was kind of one of the things that I wanted to say is that seems to be the sort of dominant narrative going into this game is like, well, you know, the Bengals are, have a really banged up offensive line. The Bills have not shown uh, that they're in what they need to be as far as postseason form. So, like, to what level of accuracy do you think that is? Uh, do so, you think the offensive line situation is going to make that big of a difference? Do oh, you yeah. think that we can step up? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I do think that's going to make a huge difference. I, I think when I look at the Bills secondary, and I'm not just looking at the wild card game, because honestly, when you look at both wild card games, both of them were divisional games. Both of them, both the Bills and the Bengals were playing against teams that were playing with house money. They had nothing to lose. Baltimore's banged up. Miami was starting Skylar Thompson at quarterback. I mean, those are two teams. And the Bills and the Bengals had everything to lose. So, and they were both in prime time spots. And, you know, you're still, again, two teams that haven't exactly eclipsed the mountaintop of the NFL by winning the Super Bowl. So I think that that game is not exactly for both teams. I don't think that's something to look at for playoff form. I do think the Bills will be just fine. I think they're going to go in exactly, you know, playing their best football. But when I look at the Bills, um, in terms of ways the Bengals can uh, basically kind of expose them a little bit, would I would say the Bills secondary. I think the Bengals, if they can protect Joe Burrow and get him time and get him going early, I think it might be a long day for the Bills defense. You've seen them give up, uh, you know, many points throughout the uh, throughout the season. But yet again, if the pass rush gets home for Buffalo, then that's going to be a long day for the Bengals offense. That's going to be key because Tony, I, I I know one of the things you and I are not confident in is, is this Bills front four ever since Von Miller mm-hmm. went down. I think they're mm-hmm. advanced fourth or something to pass rush and whatever advanced analytics when Von Miller was in the lineup. When Von Miller was not in the lineup, I think they're like 27th, 28th. So uh, the defensive line needs to to show up because they invested a lot into that defensive line in terms of high draft picks. And, and now it's time to 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 put up or shut up. The old cliche goes, in in my opinion. And with that banged up off as a line from the Bengals, I mean, this is their their time to shine. They, they have to generate a pass rush. They have to get to Burrow. Uh, Burrow's great. Burrow, uh, I like Joe Burrow. I, ever, I liked him since he was at Ohio State and LSU. As an Ohio State alum, I, I have to like uh, fellow Ohio State uh, students but uh or athletes uh or student athletes i i guess i should get that correct ncaa will come after me uh, <laughs> <laughs> but joe burrow isn't like really the mobile extend the play like two reads and get out on the run or like, like josh allen is or patrick Mahomes is so that pass rush is going to be uber important I, I think it's almost uh one of the key factors in terms of a victory sunday for the bills what do you think tony um i mean i think that our pass rush is kind of designed to be the biggest, uh, to be like sort of the biggest X factor. Whereas the middle of the defense just kind of like has to solidly do its job. And then the secondary sort of so much falls on the shoulders of the secondary to 
for Leslie Frazier to have the confidence right. in them to just like, you have to deliver every time. And that's just like always the expectation. And, you know, maybe they get help, but a lot of times they don't, you know, like really, you know, if Taryn Johnson has an off night, like that's the whole thing falls apart. And it's that way, I think, for a lot of the key members of the secondary. So it's, yeah, like the, really the biggest edge on it, no pun intended, is is the rushing. It's the it edge. Is, it, yeah, is the edge. And it is, and it, but also, you know, but also the interior. So, I mean, that's kind of the, where the cautious optimism from is, is, is the conversation that Matt, you and I have had so many times of like, who's going to step up? Who's the closer now? Right. Who's going to be... The person that wows us that being like, yeah, that was the person that was the player that put us over the top in this thing. So I'm kind of curious for Josh, like, who do you look at to be as the player on your side of things that like, oh, yeah, if there's going to be a player in this game that puts us over the top and guides us towards victory, that it would have been nothing without them. Who do you look for it to be in this matchup? I mean, I got to go with the franchise. I got to go with Joe Burrow. So so I want to go back to Matt, what you kind of said was, you know, while Joe Burrow isn't exactly as fast or as mobile, one of the things that I don't believe that Joe Burrow gets enough credit for is his ability to escape the pocket. I think one of the things for the for the Bills defensive line is to plug up the holes and force Joe Burrow to go through the middle instead of rolling out right or rolling out left. Because if Joe Burrow can extend plays, Jamar Chase is going to get open. We've seen that happen time and time again. We watched it last year when the Bengals played the Chiefs in the, um, in the conference championship. I mean, Burrow kept drives alive, key important drives alive by being able to escape the pocket. And he had a lot of rushing yards that game. I can't think off the top of my head how many yards he had. But he had a lot. And his ability to get outside of the pocket and break tackles was one of the reasons why. I do think Buffalo is going to have to put a spy on Joe Burrow, at least for the second half. Because once they start covering up the receivers and if they are able to shut down uh, the wide receivers on the Bengals side, Joe Burrow is going to have to make plays on his feet. He's just going to have to. And um, eventually, I do think Buffalo is going to put a spy there for him. So I think that's going to be a big thing. And so I got to go with the franchise. Defensively, it's going to be, can we bring Josh Allen? down can we make him uncomfortable can we keep him from rolling outside of the pocket can we keep him from getting these big uh you know big runs and then also when they run that option or they run the qb keep around the right or around the left how are we going to play that it's going to be on that defensive edge so that's going to be up to sam hubbard and trey hendrickson if they can keep josh allen contained and uncomfortable i think they're going to do okay was it hendrickson last week that in the wild card had the had the fumble return I get him and Hubbard mixed up. All Sam, Sam Hubbard, as an Ohio State guy, I feel like you would be right <laughs> on this. It's Sam Hubbard. So uh, now I got to ask you guys a question. What do you guys like better, the immaculate rejection or the fumble in the jungle as the name of that play? Fumble in the jungle is my vote. Yeah, I would say fumble in the jungle. Matt, what do you think? That's a great, that's a great name, too. I, the rumble or the fumble in the jungle is such, a, such an elite name. It's perfect. And, 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 and Josh, I know you, I know you're new to this podcast, but we try to come up with like elite punny nicknames for players and mm-hmm. names for things all the time. So fumble in the jungle gets the nod just for name alone. Fumble, fumble in the jungle. It, it's it's I mean, it's just something that'll stick with the franchise forever. And, you know, I, I listen to a lot of like Cincinnati radio here and they talked about where does that moment place on all time, all sports Cincinnati greatest moments and they're ranking it pretty high i've seen as high as number one and i've seen it around usually like two or three of all time greatest cincinnati moments and you know for 
what was happening in the game, the opponent, the crowd, everything, I would say it's got to be up there. And especially I, I experienced it in person. I could not stop laughing. I thought it was the funniest thing I've ever seen in my whole life because that usually happens to us. So I was just laughing my absolute ass off. I could, I had tears coming down to my eyes because I was laughing so hard. But so I would say fumble in the jungle has got to be, got to be. No- I mean, think about it as a Baltimore fan watching that play has oh, got to yeah. be just the most heartbreaking. It's almost as bad. Us as Bills fans have been there like 12 times over. So Dog, I, feel, I feel for you. I feel for you hard. Tony, before we continue though, Mm-hmm. I I, I want to go rewind a second here. Josh said one of the greatest moments in Cincinnati sports history. I don't know about you, but I'd put the Icky Woods uh, Geico commercial right at oh, the top. Dude, got to get some cold cuts, my guy. Get them cold cut. <laughs> how is, hey, how, Josh, how is that not number one on your greatest Cincinnati hey, sports It's up there. <laughs> it's up there. It may not be number one, but it's up there. As a UC fan, I had a couple. When we beat Notre Dame uh, last year, I was there for that one, too. When Desmond Ritter flew the flag in Notre Dame Stadium, I would say that's probably number one for me because it was like, the Bearcats, like, we're finally here. Like, we went on the road right. and ended up a streak, and, like, we're here to stay. And then, obviously, Luke left and broke my heart. But, you know, that I digress. We're here to talk <laughs> NFL. But, I mean, got to get some cold cuts. Absolutely. I don't know about you. Like, I, I think it's going to come down to each team's cornerbacks, honestly, on the defensive side of the ball. It's it's young cornerbacks and Kair Elam and probably Christian Benford coming back for the Bills, going up against what may be the, the best – a group of three receivers in the league on Cincinnati's side. Uh, and then Stefan Diggs, who I feel is right up there with Jamar Chase in terms of top five receivers in the league, going against a guy who every time I watch a Bengals game, Josh, I'm telling you, I, all I see is Eli Apple get burnt. <laughs> all I see is Eli <laughs> Apple get burnt. So I'm looking for Gabe Davis and Stefan Diggs to just expose the crap out of Eli Apple. Now, now I, I, I'm with you on that. Eli Apple has had a lot of bad moments in his career. But if you go and you look at his stats, he's been pretty consistent this entire season. Now, obviously, when he's going against Gabe Davis, that's a complete story. But, you know, Eli Apple, I, I do think, gets way too much crap. And I think it becomes a lot from he was on his former team, the Giants. I think that's where a lot of that yeah. is still stemming from. But like when he came to the Bengals, I, he really did revitalize his career. He does play really, really good. He plays really hard. Now, does he get exposed a lot? Yeah, but I think it's a lot of it has to do with the Bengals trusting him a lot. And they do put him in single coverage. And, you know, probably not going to be able to do that against Gabriel Davis. But you know, having that Eli Apple there, and then like I said, we got a rookie out there as well, Cam Taylor Britt, who's a very promising rookie, but he's no Sauce Gardner, and you know, he, he's he's not going to be that lockdown guy. So that's going to be so that's going to be somebody the Bills are definitely going to keep. So th- I I think you're right. I think a lot of it's going to come down to the trenches, and it's going to be come down to secondary versus secondary who can make the most plays. It's funny. I, I pulled up uh, researching this game and doing work on this notes for this podcast. I pulled up just I Google search Eli Apple draft. <laughs> and the first article that pulls up is from a, a publication of whatever called Canal Street Chronicles. And the headline is draft bus Eli Apple sick of embarrassing himself on the field embarrasses himself. <laughs> so I'm like, that's a guy you got to expose. I, Man, I that mean, headline, that headline right. is just like, like, how do you deal yeah, with that just headline like, if you're Eli it, Apple? It might as well just like, be just, WWW. We hate, we hate Eli Apple. We hate Eli Apple. Uh, yeah. He's hated, man. He's hated. He's hated. In Cincinnati, I, I will say this. He gets a lot of crap. 
So a lot of it sometimes isn't his fault because you don't really know exactly what the secondary is doing. But he does get a lot of crap. In Cincinnati, we do actually. We love him. Like I said, he, he's played really well. He made the the biggest play in the Tennessee Titans game last year in the playoffs where he knocked the ball away and right, Logan yeah. Wilson picked it off. You know, and, you know, he's been great. I appreciate it. And um, so, uh, you know, it's 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 going to come down to that. And if I were the Bills, I'd, I'd target Eli Appleton. Tony so on the other side, you got you got Mike Hilton. You got Mike Hilton. And so with Mike Hilton, he's just Mr. Consistent out there. And he's a veteran. He he's a veteran guy. Too. He was great in Pittsburgh. He's been great yeah. in Cincinnati. He's made a lot of grades here. Uh, he's been a real anchor in this secondary, especially with a banged Absolutely. up secondary. I would feel a lot better if Shadobe Awuzie was starting out. I would feel a lot better. <laughs> we feel better if Trey White was 100%. Heard <laughs> that. Yeah, I know. Heard know. that. Heard that. Mm-hmm. But hey, it's the NFL. Uh, it's the NFL. Yeah. yeah, right. Right. What's I was next? just kind of honing in on all the respect that Josh is giving to Gabe Davis. And I'm like, that is truth. That is like. That is playoff I, game. Kind, kind of. Yeah. Like, it, like, is that, is that a result of playoff game coming, you know, coming out to play or are we just, or have we, and by we, I mean, you know, Bill's mafia in general, have we just kind of like given uh, Gabe Davis an unfair rap? I mean, to what extent, like, do you, what is your impression of Gabe Davis? There, I think Josh? a lot of I think a lot of it stems from the Bills offense being so good because even let's just say when Gabe Davis doesn't have one of his better games or he's not getting enough targets, he's taken away a lot of the secondary or he's doing things yeah. off ball. That's really opening up this offense. Like when Josh Allen run, you know, does his QB keeper off to the right, nobody really knows exactly what's going on with Gabe Davis off to the left. Does the secondary see something? Are they keying in on, okay, they're going to throw a slant to Gabe or they're going to throw an out route to him or they're going to throw a streak. And instead, they run off to the right. So it's, it, I think a lot of it stems from the Bills offense being so good. I think that's where most of that stems from, I would say. Mm. You know, even before last week, we've kind of just been like, man, Gabe is not stepping up. Like this offense is not <laughs> what we thought it was. And it's because of Gabe Davis, like not being who we thought he was. But it's nice to hear that at least outside of Erie County, New York, he maybe is like putting fear into some people's boots. Cause I do respect Gabe Davis. I think, I think he's a polarizing, he's been a polarizing figure and player for us this year, but that's of course, until he plays the Bengals and puts up 200 against them on, on Sunday, since playoff Gabe is coming out to play (laughs) or has three targets for negative two yards. That could happen. That too. could also be true. <laughs> that could also very be. This could be Eli very Apple realistic. locks him up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just watch. Eli Apple's listening to this podcast and be like, "I'm going to show those guys." Yeah. Yeah. Just keep it all. This the is bulletin board fodder for Eli Apple. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't know if we have a Tony. Would you call it a? I guess it's not even a curse. It's like a a weird stigma about our podcast whenever we drag a player through the coals like if we talk negative about him they show up literally like the next week Keep and it perform Keep, at talk best. about joe burrow a little bit too talk about joey b <laughs> uh, the guy no, dresses we, completely ugly that's who's a good the point. cooler that's quarterback cool. tony tony who's the cooler quarterback joe burrow or josh allen if you were in high school and you were at the okay. cool kids table okay. and there was a seat open joe burrow josh allen who are you inviting to the cool kids table Oh, wait, 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 wait. So the scenario is I'm already <laughs> at the cool kids table and, yeah, there's, and there's two people it's, it's a reach. and they're it's Joe Burrow and Josh Allen. And I'm looking to draft in either Joe Burrow or Josh Allen, presumably the starting football player in of the given time. 
to to join exactly. my click. This is the scenario you're presenting me with. Yes, I'm bringing Josh over because I trust Josh. Our Josh, who's on the show, Josh. I mean, Joe Burrow is Joey cool to you guys. He dresses cool. He's got a cool demeanor. Uh, is Joe Burrow the cooler quarterback? Are you really? Are we even really having this conversation? <laughs> of course he is. I love Josh. I love Josh Allen. I have big respect for all Wyoming players. One of our best players is from Wyoming. I love the way he plays and all the way around. He's not even close on me. I mean, my goodness, <laughs> the Cartiers, the, the game day fits. I was gonna say probably the the, the actual Bruce. telltale sign of the game is gonna be Joe Burrow's fifth game. That, like, what is he going mm. to wear? And if it's oh, fire, okay. it's a it's over. It's a, if there's SpongeBob in it at all, it might be forty five nothing. Like, I mean, <laughs> coming from a podcast <laughs> who uh, judges players' roster status based on how they and what they're wearing when they arrive at training camp, that heard, is a well appreciated statement from you there, sir. Heard, I heard <laughs> that. I like it. Uh, let's talk. We talked about uh, some keys to the game, just for our listeners who. Uh, our Bills fans who don't watch the Bengals week in and week out like you do, uh, Josh, give us just strength and weakness. Obviously, we know about the Bengals receivers, so maybe, maybe some outside of the box strength and weaknesses of this team that Bills fans can look forward to the the team exploiting uh, on, on Sunday. Give me uh, one strength and one weakness of this Bengals team, in your opinion. You know, one of the biggest strengths of this Bengals team that really never gets talked about is their red zone defense, their ability to like it. to turn seven points into three points or maybe get a turnover. I, I mean, if you looked at the game last week, uh, Baltimore went one for four inside of the red zone. I mean, that's that's massive amount of points. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's that's the game right there. And the Bengals ability to never give up on a play. And, and that's why Jesse Bates has so many tackles. While they'll give up an explosive play from time to time, they're going to make you snap it again and snap it again. And then they end up locking you down in the red zone. That's one of the biggest strengths of, of the Bengals uh, team that I, I just I feel like always gets glossed over. And their, their red zone defense has been good since last year. I mean, I mean, if you look at the stats in the red zone, uh, Bengals defensively are, are one of the best in the league. So if the Bills are able to convert when they get inside of the 25, then they're going to be OK if they can at least go. Let's 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 just say let's they go three for three in the red zone or they go four for four in the red zone. Then I think the I think the Bills are going to be ju- are going to be okay. Now if the Bills go one for four in the red zone or one for three and instead of getting seven they get three, the bet you're keeping the Bengals in the game. And that's another strength mm-hmm. of this team is that they just never quit. They never give up. I mean, if you look at all of their games from last year to this year, a lot of times they're playing from behind and then but in the fourth quarter they find a way to come back and get into the game. Did the same thing against the wild card against the Ravens. Did it against the Chiefs this year? Did it against the Chiefs last year? Did it against the Titans last year? Did it against the Ra- uh No, never mind. They weren't never. They were never down against the Raiders. But uh, this this uh, this ability to never quit and this ability this the ability to keep hanging around, like even when it looks completely dire, the ability to still make a play in the red zone. So that's probably the biggest strength that not a lot of people talk about. I like that, and the Bills have struggled in the red zone. Uh- mainly due to Josh Allen's turnovers and uh, trying to force yeah. things that maybe aren't there. So that, that'll be, that'll be definitely a, a key thing to watch. Now give us one, one weakness. Where do you think the bills can, can maybe exploit this Bengals team? 
nowhere. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, it, <laughs> that's it, a good answer. True fan gonna, answer. I like it. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's going to come at the left tackle. So we're going to be starting Jackson Carmen more than likely out at left tackle. Now, Jackson Carmen, I mean, he's not, he hasn't really been a starter at all since he's been drafted here. A lot of people are calling him a bust. I think we're getting close to bust now. If he comes out and he plays really well, then we're talking a completely different story. He came in against the Ravens this week and he played left tackle and he, he did okay. Uh, but, you know, and he played left tackle at Clemson, but he never played left tackle here. He's always been a right guard. So that if the Bills are able to get on Joe Burrow's blind side, again, you know, Joe Burrow is very elusive in the pocket. So that's going to be a lot easier said than done. But if their ability to just continually rush that blind side and continually expose Jackson Carmen, then I think the bill that that's going to be the biggest weakness that I believe the Bills are going to be able to expose. I like that, Tony. And if there's a fan base who knows about uh, offensive line second round busts, it's the Buffalo Bills fans, <laughs> right? That for sure uh, is true. And we are clinging, <laughs> and we just like cling to scraps if they're halfway decent. Yes, exactly. if they're halfway decent, they may as well be the best left tackle in the league. <laughs> in our mind, uh, Tony, uh, what what is a, a key to the game for you? Like, what it, what are you looking for the Bills to? to really maybe get right uh, that they got wrong and, and so much in the wild card round uh, this coming Sunday. Oh my God. Well, the obvious answer is that we're going to clean up is that, you know, is, is our own discipline essentially that we're going to yes. clean up uh, drops and fumbles and bumbles and bounce and weird bounces and everything like that. But really what I didn't like about the wild card is how one dimensional we were when I'm really surprised. I felt like that was a little bit of a departure from our identity from throughout the year of that we're trying to sort of force feed uh, a two to this into a two-dimensional offense. And that to me is kind of a tit for tat uh, edge on the Bengals is that, you know, the Bengals have, as we said, very impressive stable of wide receivers, very impressive passing game, but the running game is there and it's nothing that we can't not worry about. Whereas for us, I'm like, are we, are we just putting this on Josh's shoulders for, you know, maybe the second time all season and just kind of going to let Cook and Singletary do some spot work here? Or are we going to try and make this really a part of things, really make this a part of the DNA of what we're trying to do on Sunday? That's kind of what I look for, because I, d- I don't want to yeah. see us be one dimensional. Um, but at the same time, I don't want it to be forced. I, th- I think that's fair. A lot of it seems forced, especially uh, Sunday when you're right there. Absolutely. We're undisciplined and shooting themselves in their own feet pretty much the whole game josh it's been a pleasure my friend uh awesome to have you on thank you for jumping on on a short notice here this week before we wrap up one final question do a little round table here josh you can do the honors give me one x factor player you're looking for and of course a score prediction one x factor player i'm going to be looking for i'm going to be looking right at jermaine pratt he's one of he's our linebacker on the other side he's not logan wilson who's logan wilson's our quarterback of the uh, of the defense uh, but I'm going to be looking at Jermaine Pratt. Can he come up and make the big run stop and then also be efficient in the passing? We've seen him do it time and time again. But again, you know, this is a great Bills offense. So in, in order to do that, in order to be prepared, he's got to be able to watch a lot of film. He's going to have to key in on a lot of things. It's going to come to Lou Anaruma, the defensive coordinator. Can he put Jermaine Pratt in the right place? And Jermaine Pratt, he's one of these guys that I – you know, I, Coming out, I, I thought he was a bust. I thought, for sure, let's get rid of him. But he has really blossomed a staple of this. And he's made a lot of really big plays through a lot of really big games, especially when the lights are the brightest. So I'm going to be keen in on Jermaine Pratt. If he has a great game, I'm going to say the Bengals are definitely going to win. 
And I'll tell you this right now, I think the Bengals win, and it's going to be a lower-scoring game than people may think because everybody's thinking it's a high-scoring game. And usually yeah. in the NFL, when they think it's high-scoring, it's going to be. So I'm going to go with I'm going to go with 28-17. I think the Bengals win. Oh, uh, Tony, your X factor and prediction. Before I say my X factor, so before we got on here, Josh, the first question you asked us was, "What's the policy on swearing?" And we said, "Let it ride." Josh, what's the best swear word? Oh, it's, uh, <laughs> there's so many. Uh, I, I hope none of my students are listening to this. Uh, I would say definitely, I, I say "motherfucker" quite a bit. Oh, okay, that's a good one. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's a great one. That's a great one. It in, if, it if, into- if you're any of my students, you didn't hear me say that. <laughs> I like motherfucker in that it, it integrates the classic. Like I think the most common answer that people say is fuck. And yeah. then but motherfucker has like a zing oh, to term it. I'm looking for. <laughs> yeah, zing, but like a staccato like pa 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 that yeah. like gives yeah. it a gives it a good gives it a good tone, gives it a good rhythm. I'm gonna say that the motherfucking score is gonna be <laughs> you know, I hate to say it, I think it is gonna be closer than it seems, but I guess I'm also in Josh's camp of thinking that like maybe the overall game like will never feel that even at least that's kind of how i picture it but i'm gonna say bills 27 Bengals 23 and i say that with a lot of hesitation because i kind of think we're gonna lose and i'm gonna say that my x factor is gonna be ed oliver i really think ed oliver needs to step up in pass defense and in rush defense like i think a lot is holding on him to get the penetration that we need him to have. And he's going to get a lot of snaps. So he's got to take care and shore up uh, Mixon. Nice. So that's what I like it. Um, I'll also have to go with the Bills win because I think I'm obligated to, but I think it's going to be close again. The Bills, the Bills have not played good uh, or a complete game, I should say, for about two months now. So I'll say like Bills 31, Bengals 27. I do kind of think it's going to be high scoring in the end. So uh, it's it's going to be a it's a toss up, though. I mean, the Bengals during that week 17 matchup just drove right down your throats at opening drive. And I'm kind of scared of like that could be the whole game, actually, this time around uh, for my X Factor player. I'm going to go a little outside the box. I'm going to go with the ghost of Tyler Croft past. Of course, Tyler <laughs> Croft was a former tight end for both the Bills and the Bengals. Mm-hmm. So uh, who does the ghost of Tyler Croft pass play favors to? Like, do we have an Angels in the outfield situation here? What, what Who's he going to help more? Uh, of course, Tyler Croft's still alive, not RIP. Um, but uh, Tyler Croft, uh, ghosts of Tyler Croft past is my X Factor player of the day. Uh, Josh, uh, before we wrap up, uh, thank you again, my man. Uh, you are always welcome back. That was a great discussion and great insight into the Bengals uh, and Bill's matchup here coming Sunday in the divisional round. Uh, give our listeners, uh, even though they're mostly Bill's fans, Josh has an awesome podcast. Uh, if you want to check it out uh, and hear any kind of bangles or NFL or sports news, Josh, uh, plug away uh, your podcast and where the listeners of our podcast can find you. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you guys so much for having me on. Love to talk to you really soon. Uh, you can find me. Uh, you can find the podcast, the back row Cincinnati Bengals show. You can pretty much find it anywhere that streams podcasts. Uh, we're kind of all over the place. And then also you can find me on Twitter at back row bangles. So, that's the Back Row Cincinnati Bengals show on anywhere you can find podcasts. And on Twitter, you can find me at Back Row Bengals. Now, I do I do post a lot of Bearcats content as well. So if you like the Bearcats, you know, come on through. And I, if you're a Reds fan, and I post a lot of Reds hate. So definitely come on through for that. And uh, I urge all the – 
I urge all the Bills fans and everybody here to give Skyline Chili a try. All right. It's delicious. <laughs> oh, it's amazing. I've had it. It makes you feel good. It's thank you. To, well, what do you think? Mid. For you, Tony. What do you got? I, 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 don't you dare call it mid. Don't you dare. <laughs> It's like disgracing God, right? <laughs> Justin never had a garbage plate, I'm guessing. So that is oh, that is my. the equivalent. <laughs> I'm in. I'll give it a try. I'll give. It, I love buffalo wings. I love them. I we'll love have to them, do. So. We'll have to do a little bet. We'll have to do a little bet. Maybe uh, if in. the Bengals win, we'll eat some skyline chili, and if uh, the Bills win, you uh, you eat a garbage plate or something. <laughs> so, so what's what's a what's a garbage? Uh, it's, oh, okay. it's garbage. It's little literal <laughs> trash. It's literal. Oh, yeah. It's whatever you find. No. It's, Homie, uh, I'm, I'm, it. I'm poor, so I'm eating pretty much anything that I can get my hands on at this point. So <laughs> a guard's plate sounds pretty good to me. A plate is, it's you choose two sides. The traditional sides are uh, mac salad and home fries. And then there's two, and there's two forms of meat on top of it. And then there's meat sauce on top of it. And then there's condiments on top of that. And it just kind of gets like mixed up into this weird, uh, hot, cold, nebulous, amoebic dish it's super delicious oh my if god, you do it right if you do it right amazing yeah, that sounds delicious <laughs> uh that's I'm the in. bet skyline chili garbage plate uh I'm listeners in. check out josh the back row bangles show awesome content awesome show josh pleasure my man good luck sunday we're gonna have you back on uh maybe next year when the bills and the Bengals play again so thank you again and uh hope you had a witty good time here hey appreciate it guys let me know if you want to talk about about it after the game. I'm in. If we win or lose, either way, love you guys. Love the Bills, and uh, hope you guys uh, do well on Sunday, but not too well. Who day? <laughs> always, always, my man. Talk to you soon. Thanks again. See you guys, fellas. See ya. Have a good night. Oh, the weather outside is frightful, but my drink is so delightfully cold, thanks to Traveling Growler. And since we know place to go, keep it cold, keep it cold, keep it cold with a Traveling Growler koozie. Koozie starting at just $5. Check out www.travelinggrowler.com today. And now back to the show. Thank you once again to Josh Miller. Go check out his show. Awesome content. We'll have to have him back on uh, in the future here. Uh, But thank you, Josh, again. Follow him on Twitter. Listen to his show. Good stuff. Uh, Tony, let's wrap it up, though. Thank you to our sponsor, Traveling Growler, www.travelinggrowler.com. Shop local, support local. Quality koozie starting at just $5. Check out Traveling Growler. Uh, Podcast store, teespring.com. Search Winnie Not Funny. Support the podcast. You can find some of our stuff also on Built in Buffalo T Public Store as well. Search Built in Buffalo on T Public. You can find some of our designs. But support the podcast. We got hoodies, t-shirts, long sleeve, whatever. Uh, all colors, all sizes. Support the podcast. Get a cool design while you're at teespring.com. Uh, where to find the podcast? You can find the podcast anywhere you find podcasts or listen to for free. Spotify, iTunes, on the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network. Search Witty Not Funny, all one word. Search Built in Buffalo. Leave us a review. Subscribe. Show us some love. We always like to say whether you give us two minutes or two hours of your time. We greatly appreciate it. We truly do mean that. Uh, Twitter handles. Tony, where can listeners find you? You want to go onto the bird, sift through all the Bally Sport bullshit and total sports 24-7. And if you find yourself the picture of a guy in Bill's gear next to it, at Tony Ambrose, you will have found me. <laughs> what a journey we went on right there. Follow Tony. You can follow <laughs> the podcast at Woody Sports 716, Twitter, Instagram, Winnie Not Funny Sports, Facebook, and TikTok. Uh, give us a follow. We love following back. We love connecting with the Buffalo sports community out there, Bill's Mafia, Saber Swords people. Uh, give us a follow. 
Uh, and that's all I got, Tony, other than send off for the listeners. Uh, give us a good one to take us into this big playoff matchup. Well, I know my send off because it's something that we didn't address with Josh, but it truly is what unites us with Josh. And I am disappointed we never had a chance to brush it, but I'll say go Cyclones as the bridge that brings us, that can bring us and Josh together. Cincinnati Cyclones, as you know, farm team of the Sabres located in Cincinnati. We're all like, we all would love the Cyclones in that, in that sense. We are Cyclones. So go Cyclones. cyclones. We're all Cyclones. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Congratulations to Ryan Miller as well. (laughs) Absolutely. Congratulations to Ryan Miller. We'll never see 30 again. That's right. Let's talk about that more next week. Uh, As I always say, Stay witty out there, everyone. Go Bills. Thanks for listening. Peace. Bye-bye-bye-bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Later. Marshawn is a fresher breath there. He just loves chain restaurants. Matter of fact, he ate at Applebee's 12 times during the bye week. I love each and it. Most of you guys. <laughs> It kind of looks like a football, actually. Thank you for that. Stitching, you got it. Thank you. Hey, D, I like donuts, baby. Go. Uh, Stay focused. Um, Work hard in school. You might not like school, but make sure you're working hard in school. It builds a bomb. It builds a bomb. It's your boy DM3, and you're listening to the Witty Not Funny Sports Podcast on the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network.